Guys, my name is Jake, and I'm one of the elders here at Discovery. It's my pleasure to be up speaking with you this morning, getting to do that because speaking of rest, Pastor John is out on vacation, traveling around and getting to rest. I hope you guys have had a little bit of rest vacation this summer, uh, and now's the time to do it. And, and that's actually what we've been talking about as a church this summer, talking about rest, talking about water from a deep well, how to connect with God and really receive the rest, the restoration that we need, that we're longing for. We've been talking about how to do that through worship, gathering together, singing, uh, encouraging, exhorting one another. We've been talking about how to do that through the word, how to recognize scripture, not just as, as a, a book that was written that we can learn from, but also a letter written from a loving God so that we could learn who he is and who he's designed us to be. And today I get the, the joy of talking about prayer, uh, actually introducing a three-week series that we're going to be doing thinking about prayer, because prayer, we believe, is a critically important way that we connect with the Lord, critically important way that we learn who he is and who he's made us to be. So we're going to spend some time on that together. Uh, prayer, if you're new to uh, the church or, or you're not really from a Christian background, prayer is a pretty simple concept to describe. Prayer is conversation with God. Pretty basic, right? And that's what we're going to be focusing in on. So we're going to get a chance to uh, talk about what is prayer? How do you pray? What does prayer look like? When do you pray? Why should you pray? Who's involved in, in praying? So I forgot that the youth can head out to their service. I'm sorry, guys. I got too excited, right? And there's also a birthday I heard. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Fiona. So um, anyway, so we get to think about prayer. See, look, there goes half the church. Bye, guys. Bye. I wanted them to stay. So, um, so we're getting to talk about prayer, and, and we're doing so because uh, we have a hope when we pray, when we learn to grow together as a church in prayer, that, that that activity, growing in prayer, will actually help empower us to go out on the mission that God has called us to do. So we're going to focus in on that today. We're going to be looking uh, in the Gospel of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please raise your hand. One of the ushers would be glad to bring one around to you. So um, we'll be looking in the Gospel of Luke today. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I shall grab one for you. And let me go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to connect with you in prayer. Thank you that you want to talk with us, that you want to speak to us, that, that you give us the ability to speak back to you. Lord, and thank you that um, we can grow in that together. God, you're a good God. Please bless this time that we have together today. May we learn from your word uh, more about who you are. May we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, you know, if you feel like you're uh, not so good at prayer, often when we talk about prayer, people feel like, uh, I'm not so good at prayer. Don't worry, you're, you're in good company. Uh, one of the things we'll be talking about later in the series are the disciples and how they actually felt like they weren't so good at prayer either, and, and they had to ask for help. And that's what we're going to be learning about this series is sort of how we ask the Lord to help teach us how to pray. Okay? Now, um, as, uh, as we think about that, I, I thought I should back up and tell you just a little bit about my work. If, if you don't know me, I work on campus at UC Davis, and I run a couple of different programs for international students and scholars. Anybody in here who, who's not native to the U.S., came from another country? If so, I love you. That's awesome. Thank you. Right? That's great, right? I love working with international students. I love working with international scholars. I learn so much every day uh, as, as I think I'm teaching people how to live and study and do research here. They're actually teaching me, right? And one of the things that they have taught me over the years is um, pretty simply said. It's this. Expectations matter. 
In fact, I believe that expectations have the ability to affect our reality. So let me tell you a story to sort of illustrate this point. Uh, A few years back, I was in the office and I was doing sort of advising hours, right? So who knows who's going to come into the office when it's dropping advising hours and, and in walks this guy. And as he walks in, I got excited because I thought, hey, I remember him. Uh, He had been very eager when I first met him at orientation at his first day at Davis. And he was really, really excited talking about how he wanted to fit in and do well in his classes and how he had this plan one day to move to the United States to get a great job. And this guy was super excited, right? So when he walked in, I was happy. I thought, cool, let's see what he has to do. But as he walked in, I looked at him and thought, oh, this isn't going to go so well because he didn't look so good, right? So he sits in and he just sort of like, sits like this, you know, and I say, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? And he goes, I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor. I said, okay, well, you look sort of sick, right? So that makes sense. Well, what kind of sick are you? And, and he, he says, oh, my stomach's been, been hurting. Your stomach's been hurting. Okay. So I think to myself, well, let's find out a little bit more, right? So I ask him some questions. You know, what have you been eating? How long has this been going on? And he says, uh, starts to describe some pretty serious, like, uncomfortable, you know, stomach problems. So I'm thinking, this isn't good. So I ask him, okay, so what have you been, been eating since you came to the U.S. a few weeks ago? And he just goes, oh, you know, American food. Right? So, okay. Uh-oh. What's American food? So I'll ask my question. Well, what is American food? He goes, oh, you know, like cheeseburgers from In-N-Out. Okay, you know. Well, what else? Like Frosted Flakes. I love Frosted Flakes. Okay, you know. What else are you eating? Ice cream. Ice cream is delicious. I'm like, man, this doesn't sound so good. And then I also sort of look at him and I think, that is a lot of dairy. (laughs) So I wonder. I say, well, back home, did you used to eat cheese and milk and ice cream? No. Did you eat any dairy products? No. Right? Okay, so I think to myself, this guy's got to be lactose intolerant. So I say, have you, have you ever heard of, of lactose intolerance? I think that you're probably lactose intolerant. And he goes, no, what's, what's lactose? And I'm like, okay, well, so, right? So sort of explain. Here's what lactose is. Here's how this works. And as, Anna, as I'm explaining lactose intolerance, this guy's face like sort of lighting up, like he's, he's starting to get something. And then he gets really serious. He starts to get upset. And he looks at me and, and he says, but Jake, how... How am I supposed to fit in in America if I can't eat American food? How, how, am, I supposed to, how am I supposed to move to America and be American one day if, if I can't eat cheeseburgers? Now, when he said that, I wanted to laugh, right? Because I thought, really, you think that's what it means to be American? You have to eat cheeseburgers every day? I mean, that's, that's funny. And, and I wanted to laugh. And, and I started to laugh, and then I looked at his face, and I saw that he was super serious. He meant it right? He had these expectations built up of what it meant to be American and how to go about doing that. And, and he, uh, he had weird expectations built up, and nobody had ever taught him differently. So he spent some time sort of talking through, okay, here's other ways you can be American besides eating in and out every day. Uh, here's this thing called lactate you can take, right? And sort of kind of walked him through how to reshape his expectations because uh, his expectations were, were actually literally making this poor guy sick. So anyway, he, he ended up fine, right? But um, I learned a lot from that experience with him. And, and as I was thinking about this series with prayer and thinking about us and, and where we are as a church, this story about this guy kept coming back to my mind, 
And I was like, that's a weird story to have in the back of my mind. So, okay, God, what are you, what are you doing? And, and, and it just kept coming back and kept coming back. And, and as I asked the Lord what he was doing, I started to realize that, that I think we, when we learn to grow in prayer, we actually have to start with the basics of what are our expectations about prayer? Who do we think we're praying to? Why are we praying? When should we pray? How should we pray? We have to talk through all the basics because if we're not careful, we might end up with some really weird ideas about prayer, right? Just like this poor guy had some really weird ideas about what it meant to become American and those actually hurt him rather than helped him. So we're going to be talking about that and we're fortunate because Jesus thought that it was really important that we had good expectations related to prayer too. Jesus taught often about prayer. He modeled how to pray when to pray. He talked to people both about how to pray publicly and privately. He talked a lot about prayer. And we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Luke at one particular story he told about prayer that's focused not, not exactly on the practicals, but actually on who is involved when we pray. Jesus taught about when we talk to God, who we are in that conversation. And Jesus talked about when, when we do that, who God is and how he relates to us in that conversation. So we're going to look in the Gospel of Luke chapter 18. And if you want to open your Bibles there, and uh, I think we've got it up on, on the screen. As you do, sorry, go back. I forgot this one. Um, as we do, keep these questions in mind. Uh, these are some expectations that matter for us. Is prayer important? When you pray, who are you? And who is God when you're praying to him? Keep those things in the back of your mind as we read this story together. So the Gospel of Luke uh, 18.1, it reads like this. And he told them, he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For, for a while he refused. But after he said to himself, For though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Okay, let me recap this a little bit for you. Uh, remember here that Jesus is, is telling a story, a parable. If you're not familiar with a parable, it's a, it's a simple um, sort of made-up account that's designed to uh, teach a moral lesson or a truth. So he's not recounting an actual situation, but telling a story to help us learn something. And right off the bat, um, we know that he's telling a story that's going to involve us and then, and then God and sort of this relationship. So we've got in the, in the story a, a widow, right? And all we really know about her is that she's really desperate for justice and that she's also super persistent. That's all we know about the widow, about the judge. We know that, yes, he's a judge, but he's sort of a terrible judge, not the judge you would want on your case, right? He doesn't respect men. He doesn't care about God. The only reason he's willing to do anything is because this woman wears him down, wears him down. And then at the end, we hear a little bit about God and who he is. So we're going to unpack each of these people involved. So 
the first thing that Jesus says, actually verse 1, he tells this parable to teach a lesson. And the lesson that he wants to teach is this. Prayer is important. And sometimes it's difficult. So don't give up. Now that sounds like a simple lesson. When you hear it, you think, oh, obviously prayer is important. We all know that. Christians are taught that their whole lives. Obviously it's important. But for some reason, Jesus thought that we needed to be reminded that it was important that he needed to tell this whole story just to make sure that we knew this is really important. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to be praying about things and you're going to want to stop and you're going to want to give up. And right at the beginning he says, whatever you do, don't give up. Prayer is super, super important. This is lesson number one that we can kind of draw from this when we think about our expectations for prayer. Remember that it's very important. Sometimes it's difficult, but that we are called not to give up. The next thing we think about is this. Who are you when you pray? When you come before God, how do you come before him? The widow represents us in this story. The widow, uh, she comes before the Lord, well, she comes before the judge, and she comes before him weak. She's very needy. It's obvious that she's going to the judge because she needs this judge to do something for her. This widow is weak, but I think that she's also strong. Now, you may be looking at the text and wondering, how are you possibly coming up with the idea that this widow is strong, right? The whole point of the parable is that she's desperately weak and and she needs help. I think that she's strong because she asks for help. I'll give an example. I've got a a daughter. She's three and a half. Uh, Her name's Anna. She's super cute, super fun. Love love, uh, getting to be a dad to Anna, right? And one of the things that Anna experiences on a daily basis is deep frustration because she wants to do something but she can't, right? This could be anything in Anna's life. I want water. The water's way up there. I can't get it. Right? She started to growl at us, which is even more fun, you know? So it's like, Dad, I want a cookie. You can't have a cookie yet. Okay, don't growl at me, right? She experiences deep frustration, and she's experiencing this frustration because she's weak, because she can't do what she wants to do, but she wants to be strong. And what I've been trying to teach her is this. Anna, true strength is being able to say, I'm weak and I need help. Could you please help me? Only someone who's super secure and strong can admit their weakness. Right? Everybody else is going to fake it. But if she's strong, she'll actually be able to ask for help. So I've been trying to teach her this. And this is something I notice about the widow in this parable, that she knows she can go to the judge and ask for help. She's totally confident that she can do it. And so she just keeps asking, and she keeps asking, and she keeps asking. She knows she has the right to go and to ask. And this, to me, is a, is a point of strength. You know, and, and this is actually a place, of, as we try to think about ourselves in prayer, thinking of ourselves both as, as weak and as strong, I think this is a a place where many of us hit a wall when we're praying and we're trying to to come and bring something before the Lord because I think often we can recognize our need. We feel like we're needy, but we don't often know that we're strong. We don't often know that we have access 
to God as our judge who will help us. And, and, and we don't, because we don't know who we are, we don't often seek him out in conversation. We don't often keep going if it gets hard. So I'd like to tell you um, a truth about yourself, and this is a, a truth we'll be talking about more in the coming weeks, and, and the truth is, is simple. When you pray, you actually like praying. Nobody said anything. So what I think that means is you're probably like, okay, I don't actually like to pray, right? And, and, and that's common, I hear you. When you pray, okay, when you became a Christian and you were converted, one of the things that happened to you is, is the Holy Spirit came into your heart, he transformed your heart, and he gave you a new one. And that new heart that he put inside of you loves to talk to God. That's part of who you are now. Now, I can hear you, okay, because you're like, okay, Jake, maybe that's true, but it's not true, right? It's not actually my experience. Um, and, and I know some of you are saying, okay, Jake, whatever, praying is good for those people who like to pray. I'm more of a doer, right? I actually like to get stuff done. So you guys can go pray, and I'll go get some stuff done, and then we'll partner that way, and that'll be good, right? We're both happy. Um, and I, I know for others of you, the, the thing that stops you from praying, it's, it's not that you like to work. It's that you've tried to pray and it hasn't worked for you. So maybe you've been persistent and you're saying, Jake, I really did try to pray. I, I, I've got a brother who walked away from the Lord, Jake, and, and I've been praying for him for 15 years and he hasn't come back to the Lord. And every time I pray, it hurts and, and I don't want to pray about it anymore. So I don't actually like to pray. And, and for others of you, it's a different struggle. Maybe, maybe it's anger. Maybe you're saying, Jake, um, I, I hate the fact that every day I struggle with lust. And I don't want to be like that anymore. But I prayed and I prayed and nothing seems to work. Nothing changes it. I just get more angry the more that I pray. Or maybe it's, Jake, you don't know what it's like. I've dealt with same-sex attraction my whole life. And I hate it. I wish it would go away. I don't know what to do. I hate praying about it. I hear you. I know, I know what it's like to have things that, that you want to pray about, but that when you pray about them, they bring about pain, they bring about anger, they bring about frustration. I hear you. I've been there in many, in many, many places in my life. In some places, I feel like I'm still there. But here's the, the truth that we have to remember. We have to allow the truth of Scripture to dictate our reality, not our feelings. Scripture says, I like to pray. Therefore, I like to pray. I may say, I don't like to pray. It hurts too much. Scripture says, I like to pray. Right? So, so I have to press in and I have to choose to allow reality as it is defined by the word of God to become the reality that I experience in my life. That's where we battle with persistence in prayer. And that's why our expectation of what happens really matters. We have to expect that when we go to God in prayer, that we are weak, we need him, but we're also strong. We have access to him. We like praying. When he prays, when we pray, he wants to be with us. We have to have right expectations of who we are before God. So lesson number two uh, is drawn from the book of Romans. I think, is Romans in there? Yeah. Lesson number two is this, drawn from the book of Romans. Scripture says this about you. 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God, this is us believers, people who have accepted Christ into their lives, repented of their sin, asked Him to come in. For those people who are led by the Spirit, they are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. This is the thing. We are children of God, a God who loves us, a God who desires us, a God who lets us call Him Abba, which means Daddy. And, and deep down, I know that we want this. We, we want to experience God. We want to pray and have Him talk back. We want to hear His words of comfort. We want to hear His words of guidance, of instruction. We want to be able to go before Him without shame without fear. And the Bible is telling us that we can, that we can expect that in prayer. We can go before him boldly. So lesson number two is this. In prayer, you are weak. You are desperate for God. That's absolutely true. And you are also strong, strong because you know who you are in God. You're secure in God's love for you. And because you're secure in his love, you can approach him with your weakness and you can ask for help. And that's an awesome thing. This makes me really excited, right? So let's talk about who God is when we pray. So the judge in this story, in a way, represents God. Jesus does something when he tells the story of the judge. He, he contrasts. He does a compare and contrast, right, and says that here's the, here's the judge, and even though he's terrible and wicked, he still gives justice. How much better is God? So he does this compare and contrast. But what do we see about the judge? There are two things that I noticed about this guy that I, I thought were important. Number one, um, yes, he's a bad judge, but he is a judge. So he's actually in the courthouse doing his job. He's present. So the widow's going every day, and she's not thinking, he's not there, right? He, she's thinking, he doesn't want to give me what I want, but she knows he's there. He's present. Number two, this judge is powerful. The minute that she bothers him enough, the judge makes a decision. She gets what she wants. Done. He is powerful, and his word has a powerful, powerful effect on her. So like the judge in Luke, Jesus declares that God is here, that he is present, that he is ready to hear us, that he's powerful, his judgments have an effect, but he contrasts and says that God is even better than that judge because he's not going to make us wait, because he longs to hear from us, to answer our prayers, and to respond speedily to them. So there are a couple verses that I'd like to share with you to, to express lesson number three, which is that God is present God is responsive. God is powerful. And one of my favorites, God in prayer is rejoicing. So here's some verses I have to read just to show you this because this parable gives a little portrait of God, but all of Scripture reveals a complete picture of God. So if you look at Psalm 121.4, you will see God is present. It says that God who watches over us will neither slumber nor sleep. When we go to God, we don't have to worry that he's not going to be there. He's always there. He's always ready to hear from you. God, we learn, is responsive. Isaiah 64, 4-5 says, God did awesome things, which we did not expect. He came down. No eye has ever seen a God besides him who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. 
God is declaring this is one of the most unique things about our faith in him, is that God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. So as we go, we can expect that he will be responsive to us. God is powerful. He's not just there listening. He has the power to affect your situation. Jeremiah 32, 27, God gets to boast. This is one of my favorite things about God. God gets to boast, right? Like, I don't get to boast. I could be like, I'm super strong. And you could be like, no, you're not, right? I could say, I'm really smart. No, you're not. There's always someone smarter. There's always someone stronger than me. Not so with God. Not so with God. So God boasts. He says that this, he says, I am the Lord, God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? That's incredible, Right? This is the God that we pray to. When we go to God and we're praying, we're praying to the God who can stand up, confidently boast, nothing's too hard for me. Whatever you're worried to bring to me in prayer, whatever thing it is you think is too much, I'm the God of all flesh, and absolutely nothing is too hard for me. That's incredible. That's exciting, right? And this last one, God is rejoicing. When we think about going to God in prayer, most of you probably don't think of this verse. This verse in Zephaniah is one of my absolute uh, favorite verses in the whole Bible because I think it paints a picture of God that is amazing. This is what it says in Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. What a crazy picture to think, right? That when you go to prayer and, and you're talking to God, that one of the things God is doing in response is exulting over you with loud singing. That sounds pretty cool, right? The only person who exults over me is Anna, right? She gets excited. I'm there. Yay, Dad, right? She's excited. Picture that kind of excitement. God is looking at you and he's exulting. He's saying, I love you. You're coming before me. I'm so happy. It thrills him. He rejoices in us. I've asked a friend of mine, Kate, to, to come up and, and to share some testimony with us to talk a little bit about her experience uh, with prayer to share some of her story as she's grown in prayer. She's had her understanding of prayer changed. And, and so um, let's hear a little bit from Kate. As we do, remember some things about God, that God is present. He is responsive. He is powerful, and he's rejoicing. He loves his job. He's not like that judge. He loves his job. So Kate, come on up. I've got a microphone for you. I think it, there we go. Let's try that one out. Is that Hello? working? Hey, it's working. Why don't hey, you have a seat? Hey, you guys want to welcome Kate up, right? Come on. It's always, always makes us nervous to get up on stage. So Kate, thank you for so much for coming up and sharing. And I'd like to ask you a couple questions. Is that okay? Can we just, and can we just sit? Can we have a little conversation? Is that cool? Yeah? Is that all right? All right, let's do that, okay? So, um, so, Kate, I, I understand we've known each other for a few years, and one of the things I've learned about you is that you were raised uh, in a Christian home. I was. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. Both my parents were and are believers. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church and um, made a decision of faith when I was in elementary school and um, was baptized around the same time. So, okay, so you grew up uh, in a Christian environment. It sounds like your parents really loved the Lord. Mm -hmm. Were you taught to pray and, and, and sort of... What were you taught about how to pray? 
Yeah, so um, I was taught to pray, and we as a family, we prayed together, you know, before meals and before bed, and um, when big things would come up, we would pray together as a family. And um, I think my parents did an awesome job of teaching foundations and truth and how important prayer is. Um, and I think uh, my stance before him, I would go before him as God, our creator. Big, big. Yeah. Big, big God, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that first lesson that we're learning of expectation, that prayer is important, you totally mm -hmm. got that, yep. right? Yeah. And, and your expectation of how you were to approach God was sort mm -hmm. of set, that he was up there mm -hmm. and you were, you were down here. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, if uh, you um, think about, you know, yourself praying back then, mm -hmm. so you saw God up there. Did mm -hmm. you think he interacted with you? How would you characterize your position or maybe God's interest? Did you feel like he was responsive or interested in your prayer? Um, yeah. So I. So a lot of my stance for going before God in prayer, I would come to him, um, but I think with a lot of fear hmm. um, wrapped in there. Um, you know, went through some hard things in my growing up years, like everybody does, and um, mine were personal losses and a medical diagnosis that was really hard for me and really has really scary implications. And I think with that um, and asking for prayer over and over, I kind of got told myself that maybe I was annoying to God going back hmm. to him over and over again, mm -hmm. that, um, that, you know, after a decade of praying that that was maybe starting to annoy him. So I think I would go before him and um, try to find the right words. Like, hmm. what are the right words to pray before him? How can I, how can I put this in a nice, pretty way yeah. to come and talk to Jesus? Yes, so you're, you're a little bit of fear mm -hmm. mixed in, a little bit feeling like you're gonna annoy him, he doesn't mm -hmm. really care about it and, and you definitely need to approach them the right way yeah yeah okay so now my understanding is that at some point recently um this this really changed that, that the holy spirit began to talk to you about prayer and you began to grow uh in prayer that you you started to realize some new things about prayer so can you just um walk us through those what did you learn and what happened and yeah so um honestly a lot of it started taking place in a counseling office which i know counseling is like super taboo so there it is. Um, okay. so, Woohoo! We can um, hooray for counselors, right? That's good. Okay, yeah, yeah that's right. That's we like counseling. That's good. Okay. okay. Amen. So, um, trying to set up the context of what brought me there. Um, a year and a half ago, um, I was pregnant, and the week of Christmas, we found out that our baby had died, and um, and so we. So it was my third pregnancy, the second baby that we lost um, during pregnancy. Um, and so, I mean, the loss was and, and still is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brutal. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Yeah. It's, it still is, and it was. Um, and so um, I struggled not only with the loss and the grief, but to reconcile this Jesus who, Jesus is good, and he is full of mercy, and the Bible says, he is so near to the brokenhearted, and, and here I was grieving my baby, and, and he felt so far away. Mm. Um, and so I ended up in a counseling office um, and with a Christian counselor who, she really challenged me on a lot of my views of God. Um, so one of the first conversations that we had when I sat down um, and explained to her kind of why I was there one of the um, first things she asked me, she's like, so what does Jesus have to say about this baby that you lost? Hmm. Um, Good question. 
and you know, I put on my Sunday school hat and I gave a really good churchy church answer. <laughs> the Bible says, um, and she's like, no, no, like, yeah, that's right, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, mm. what does, what is the Holy Spirit telling you about this baby that you lost? What is, what does God have to say about you yeah. in your grief? And I looked at her like she was crazy. And we continued talking, and I said the words, I think you're crazy. Um, and she, which is really not a great way to start a counseling relationship, <laughs> right, with a professional, I think you're crazy. Um, but so I went back and um, kept talking with her, and she really helped me to dig and into better look into why I wasn't going to him, mm. um, why I wasn't dialoguing with him. Um, sorry, I thought that was my baby. Um, <laughs> and for me, yeah. I knew that God talked to people, right? Like yeah. you hear John preach on Sunday, we're all here, discoveries, like, like Jesus talks to him, right? Mm. He has a message that he's bringing that's from the Lord. And if you've ever done like a Bethmore Bible study, like Jesus is talking to her, <laughs> right? Like we know, we see these like super Christians yeah. who Jesus is obviously talking to them, but I thought, you know, like, okay, I'm not making the cut here. Yeah. And also with a lot of fear, like, okay, I am, I am a mess yeah. in this season. And what if what he has to say to me is, Kate, you're a mess. Mm. Um, you know, so a lot of fear in that too. And um, the sweet counselor who I'm working with remind me that, yeah, I am a mess, but that I'm also his child. Amen. And what that means is that I can be a royal mess, <laughs> that really I can, um, you know, I don't have to put myself together. That just like my, I have a three-year-old, and um, when he makes a mess and he's just, <laughs> woo, you know, my heart as mama is to step into that. And to step into that and to pick him up and scoop him up and to help him to get through it. And that's how God sees me as his mm. child. Um, and so, really good. you know, that he's big enough that my mess doesn't scare him. My yeah. sadness and my anger and my four-letter words, they don't scare him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's big enough for that. Um, so specifically, the two things that I started doing differently from yeah. that time, um, the first, I think I started asking really awkward questions, um, and my husband got the brunt of it, and also <laughs> a couple of friends that I meet with regularly, um, you know, things like just in casual conversation over coffee, so, mm. so does Jesus, like, talk to you? <laughs> like, what is he saying? You know, what does he sound like? Like, those things that after being a believer for 25 years, yeah. it would be like, this is second nature. But, like, really asking those questions and having, starting that dialogue. Yeah. Um, and seeing, okay, this is how Jesus is relating. I didn't talk to Jake about it. But, like, this is how Jesus is relating to Jake. This yeah. is, um, it kind of gave me an image of what that, that looks like for real non-super Christians. Hmm. Right? Um, and so the second thing, like Jake said, is changing, um, my expectations. So going before him, yeah. believing that he has something to say to me, hmm. um, and really believing that. Um, and I heard an illustration recently, which I think so beautifully paints a picture of what that means. Instead of going before him and saying, like, you're looking for him, like looking over a crowd, right? Like, is he here? Is Jesus here? Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. am I going to find him? Mm -hmm. Instead of looking for him, actively searching, the idea is coming before him and um, just watching like you would watch a sunrise, right? Like every single day that sun is coming up, 
<laughs> we know that. That's not like a big revelation. The sun is coming up. And so when we go before him and look and listen for him, we're just waiting for him like, the, like we wait for the sun to rise um, and just waiting for him to speak. God, that's really beautiful, right? Oh, look, so I, I hear that, I, I got goosebumps. I think to myself, that's how I want to I wanna approach Jesus, like not, not wondering if he's going to come through, but, but believing that he's there, just like the sunrise, right? But that feels a little super Christian too. So like when you, when you started <laughs> believing that, like, and, and you started to interact with God in that way, like did, did, um, did everything just get better? Did, did sort of the challenge you're facing go away? Life get simple? You know, what happened? Um, so a couple of things, like we did get some really big answers to prayer. Um, so God did a big work. We, um, the medical condition that I had battled since high school, um, God stepped in and healed that. And, um, and that was huge. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, right? Come just, on. There we go. Okay. Um, just, just to acknowledge that, because that was a how long was prayer. Huge. How long, how long had you been praying about that? Um, at that time, it was 14 years. 14 years, right? That's a long time. Praise God. Amen. Um, sorry, my hands are... It's okay. Um, and so, yeah, my husband and I felt called to keep asking and to keep going, even though it felt awkward or maybe we were annoying. And yeah. we invited the elders into that to pray with us. And yeah. um, God did a big work, and I have been all clear for almost a year now. And um, Amen. Um, and the other part of that, um, we did, we got pregnant again, and we have our sweet baby girl who is um, about four months old now. And so God did big things, and yeah. um, those are huge, and we are so thankful. Um, and also in the same breath, like, there's, um, I still have two babies that we've lost. Mm -hmm. Two of my babies have died. And that's, some, that's a grief that I carry, and it's, yep. and it's big, and it's messy, and... And losing baby number three, I had to have surgery, and now there's this PTSD thing going on. Mm. And so there's still big messes, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. It's, I'm still, still a mess with him, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's, that's where he has me, and that's good. So, yeah, some of the, God did answer prayers, and he did huge work, and, and I'm still on my knees. Hmm. So if those like problems didn't go away, how how do you stay how do you stay persistent? And and what's what's really changed? Has anything changed? And, and how would you encourage people to to really approach God and ask God to, to change their approach to Him? Um. So so prayer is still hard, hmm. right? <laughs> like yes, excited. The Bible said it's going to be, um, it can be in seasons, especially in seasons. And um, one thing that I have to keep close tabs on is the lies right, the lies that we believe, so um, for me, it's, you know, that, that I'm too big of a mess, mm. that I am not, um, that I don't have my stuff together enough, that I have to put the right words together, and, yeah. and those are lies that I have to confess and repent of and speak truth into yeah. on a regular basis. Um, that's something that I have to do, yeah. um, but I think the biggest thing that changed is that I stopped trying to pray a certain way, hmm. um, so I stopped trying to put myself together and find the right words to pray. Um, I kind of embraced becoming a scrappy prayer. 
Um, and so my prayers now are a little bit scrappy, like not the kind of prayers that you would want to invite to pray in front of people necessarily. You know, they're scrappy, but it's real, and that's where, that's where I am before the Lord, and that's, that's real and it's messy, but that's okay because that's where I'm at. Um, and he's big enough for that, right? Like he's not scared of my scrappy prayers. <laughs> you know, he, he dives into that with me. Um, so that's one, one part. And the other part, like I said, um, is I started expecting that response. Mm-hmm. Um, I started expecting that, um, that I am, you know, knowing and claiming I am, I am his child. He is my father. Yeah. He's got something to say to me, and that's important, and I need to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which I mean, on, on days where we're like off on retreat in the mountains and like we see Jesus everywhere and everything's beautiful, like, yay, it's so yeah. easy. Um, but like on hard days, like days where we have to be courageous, like today, this is not comfortable for me <laughs> at all. Um, or like on a regular basis, days, doctor's appointments, days are always hard days. Yeah. Like those are always scary days. Um, yeah. So what that looks like um, is speaking truth into that and saying, the Lord will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Mm. Um, he is good. He is with me wherever I go. Yeah. And that means that right here, right now, today, and there in the nasty exam room on that yucky paper, like Jesus yeah. is there with me in that room. So that means finding him in the room and claiming those truths and leaning into him and um, letting him help me get through it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my encouragement to... Right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, my encouragement would be, um, I mean, I was a believer for 20-something years, um, and I prayed regularly, but it felt like there was something missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. if that's kind of where you're at today, if you're like, something is missing here, um, or there's a disconnect, um, like, to keep digging. Yeah. Um, and maybe that means asking awkward questions. It's okay to be the awkward person. Like, I tried it, and people still say hi to me. Um, <laughs> You know, if that means going to, um, talking to our elders about it, digging in, um, it's just, it's way too important to not make that effort. Yeah, yeah. Amen, right? Thank you so much. This is amazing. I'll take this. Thank you, Kate. Right? Isn't it so encouraging to see how, how God responds to us, right, in big ways and in small ways, that God hears our prayers, that he works on our hearts, that he does answer prayers. I love looking. I call Kate and Mark's baby the miracle baby. Every time that I see her, I, my heart wells up because I recognize that God did a miracle right here in this church, and this baby is proof. And every time I see her, my faith is stirred up, right? It's so cool. It's so good. It's, it's, it's so good. Mm, it makes me, makes me cry. Sorry. God is, is really responsive, guys. And, and, and as we listen to how he moves in our lives, we, we have to reflect on how we're thinking about him and, and what we're expecting. Are we, are we treating prayer as important as Jesus said it was? Or are we getting stopped when it gets a little bit difficult? Are we thinking of ourselves the right way, recognizing that, yes, we're, we're weak, yes, it's, it's hard, but that we're also strong, 
because we know who our Savior is, because this is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It declares that, yes, we are weak and we're sinners and we need help. That's absolutely true. And when we feel that way, we can say, I need help, because it's true. That's what the gospel says. And the gospel also says that in that time of need, Jesus came down. He recognized us as being needy. He came to save us, and he didn't do it begrudgingly like that judge did. He did it with joy. He did it rejoicing because he loves us and he desires to save us. That's who he is. So, so we have access to God, not just access like, like the widow kind of begging and begging. We have bold access. We have, like Kate said, royal access, which means family access to God, to enter into his presence. So I want to encourage us as a church over the coming weeks to really think about our expectations related to prayer. What are we thinking? What are our underlying ideas about how all this is supposed to work, right? Because just like my student, this poor guy who had some expectations about, you know, how, how it was to be American, and those expectations made him sick, we have expectations about how we relate to God. And, and if we think for years that we're supposed to relate to God out of fear, that he's distant and doesn't want to draw near, that's not right. God loves us. He rejoices in us. He wants to draw near to us. So how do you see yourself when you pray? This is my question for you to be considering this week. How do you see yourself? Do you believe that you can come before God boldly? Do you believe that you can enter into his presence boldly? Or do you feel like you have to kind of sneak in the back door because you're a little bit embarrassed about what you did last night and you're not sure how he's going to respond, so you have to kind of sneak in? Do you maybe skip prayer because you think, I don't really need it, life's going good, I've got my things together, I'm just going to go keep working so I don't really need to pray. And do you forget that you actually are, the Bible says, poor and needy? Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you don't want to pray because you know that when you go before God, you might not like what he has to say because God will see through our carefully constructed facades. He'll see through when we try to pretend to be strong, but we're really weak. And, and, and sometimes I don't want God to see that. So I don't want to pray. You are bold in prayer. You actually like to pray. Remember that. That's the expectation you should have as you step into the presence of God. Do so thinking, I like this. I was made to like this. If that's not ringing true for you, if you're saying, I don't, I don't like it, and there are all these reasons why, I encourage you to repent and to ask God to change your heart because we're made to like prayer. We're made to like intimacy with him. And if we're not, there's a problem. And so I encourage you to repent and to ask him to come and to work in your heart and to change that. Now, what about God? How do you think about him when you pray? Do you think that um, he likes you? Or do you think he's distant and sort of annoyed with you? Uh, a theologian named A.W. Tozer wrote that um, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what happens to us when we think about God, it changes everything about us. 
Do you think when you go to pray that God is happy and in a good mood? Do you think that he's exulting over you with glad singing? Or do you think that he is super disappointed because of what you just did? Do you think that he wishes you'd be different or better than you are? Or do you think he's proud of you? How do you expect he'll respond? How do you expect he will behave? Today, as we enter back into a time of worship, as we enter back into a time when we get to take communion, I want to encourage you to be thinking about these things. Think through your expectations. If your expectations aren't lined up correctly, repent. Ask God to change your heart. That's what he does. He changes our hearts. Consider your expectations. Let's think about your expectations. Remember, prayer is so important that Jesus said that we should always pray and not give up. If you've given up or you're not treating it like it's important, ask God to change your heart. Number two, you like to pray. You are weak, it's true, and you need help, but you are strong because you know that your Savior will help you. And number three, God delights in us. This, I think, is the absolute biggest one we need to grasp and get a hold of. God loves us. He delights in us. He rejoices in us. And as we go before him into his presence, if we're not grasping that, if we're not walking through that, we need to ask him to come and to change our hearts. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to go and into a time of communion where we get to come before the Lord. And if you need prayer, if, if you would like someone to sit with you and, and you're going to say, Jake, I don't feel that way. When I'm going to God right now, I'm not believing he rejoices. I'm not believing that I I could be strong. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. Come up and get prayer. Come to the prayer corner. Ask for help. Remember that asking for help is actually strength. And And then once you've done that, I encourage you to take communion, which we do here by taking bread and dipping it in in juice and celebrating what God has done for us. And then after that, we encourage you to sing and to celebrate who God is. So let me pray for us. Jesus, you are good. We recognize that you are present, you're powerful, you're responsive, that you're rejoicing. We recognize that you have changed our hearts so that we would be a people who love to pray, who love to come into your presence, a people who, even though, like Kate said, even though we're messy and it's hard, Even though we're scared sometimes, we come to you again and again expecting to meet you just like we can expect the sun to rise, expecting that you'll be near to us just like we expect the sun to rise. In Jesus' name, amen.